Wickham uh, basically talked to me when he knew that he was going to Mexico, which was fairly recently, and said, would you mind doing the sermon? I was like, oh, okay. I'm a bit nervous. It's the first, this is only my second time, but yes, that makes sense. And so the verse that I was given is Luke 22, uh, 22, 24 to 30. And the title of today's lesson, Spiritual DNA. And uh, all will become clear as we go forward through it. So let's open up, let's have a look at the verse itself. That's Luke 22, 24 to 30. And ah, there we are. Let's read through it. A dispute also arose among them as of which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is, not, is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood with me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table, in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So, the first question, who's the greatest? I think whenever I hear that, I always think of Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am the greatest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there was a man full of bombast, and we admire that. We like that kind of a confidence. And we could turn to the we could turn to the verse and pick out what we got in this verse and say, "Oh, Jesus talks. Who's the greatest? It is like the youngest." And we have the youngest man in the right in front of me, Ollie. So <laughs> there we are. That's the end of the sermon. We should all be like. <laughs> Case closed, let's go home. Now, so, obviously, there's a bit more to, uh, to this lesson than that. Though, of course, Ollie is, you know, we, we like him. <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good lad, but uh, we, we need to get perhaps a bit more out of this scripture. When I first got this scripture, I thought, you know what? This is quite a straightforward verse. It's quite, you know, it's quite, it's, it's, it's a quite, you know, it's, it wasn't massively complicated. I thought, okay, this, is, this should be quite a straightforward verse to go through. It's about ambition and doing the right thing and being humble. All things that we're quite familiar with as Christians. I thought, okay, it's a, we can get some good meat out of here, but actually the message should be quite straightforward. And then, as I was looking for it a bit further, these verses, these other verses, kept skipping back to me. And kind of, it was like a flood of different verses came, came to me. So we'll, we'll leave who's the greatest at the moment. We'll come back to that. And the verse that really kind of, the part of the verse that really skipped out to me was this bit. The kings, and those who, who exercise authority over them, call themselves benefactors. I thought, ooh, okay. And it was basically about people talking, about people who are in authority, in authority, wanting to be seen to be good. Doing things for the appearance of it. And that cascaded to me this idea of toxic charity, this idea of doing things not for the, not necessarily for the, for the good of the people you're doing them for, but for <coughs> what you look like. <coughs> and I think this is where it kind of started to get a bit personal for me. I, thought, you know, it was, I started to feel uncomfortable. Uh, and these verses popped into my head straight away. 
And it was, and let's uh, turn to Hebrews, let's go to Matt, Matthew uh, 6, uh, verses 1 to 5. It's about giving to the needy. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do, in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That was the first one that jumped out at me, from my own conscience, my own memory. The second one that jumped out to me was Philippians 2, 3 to 4, which talks about ambition. Verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your interests, but also to the interests of others. And then the third one which kind of popped into my head was uh, Romans, Romans 12, verse 3. For the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. These are all good verses, all good, solid verses. But I was interested that these were the verses which popped out at me, that these were the things that I thought of. I thought, <laughs> why was that? And I think the emotions that kind of popped out of me when I was thinking about these verses were things that I had internalised, things that I'd been told growing up by the, the environment I was in, by school teachers, these things. Things like, you know, you're not the top of the tree. I remember very clearly, I was at the end of my school days in my primary school, and uh, I was doing well. I was a bright kid, and I was a bit cocky with it. And I remember very clearly a teacher saying to me, you know, you're top of the tree here, but when you go to the senior school, you're going to be a very small fish in a big, very big pool. And basically wind your head in. <laughs> that's what I was told. And I, that's the move. Keep your mouth shut and your eyes, ears open. And this is advice, this general advice. You need to be always listening. You need to be aware of what's going on around you. And nobody loves to show off. This came directly from my parents, really, from my, from when I was growing up. My dad had had a very strict upbringing, and we all bring our, what we bring for our own parents into our own parenting, and he diluted it a lot, but some of that came through to me. The idea of, you know, humility is, is, is a character trait above everything else that you should be aspiring to, that, you know, you shouldn't be thinking of yourself. Modesty is above everything. You know, that, that, see, that was a, that really a, a thing which came through to me in my childhood. Um, and this, for me, sometimes, was my spiritual DNA. Mm. It was the kind of things which was defining me as a person. You know, these, these things, this kind of, this thing that ambition is a dangerous thing. This thing that humility is something to be prized above everything else, and if you if you present yourself with confidence, that's pride. You know, just all these things kind of internalized to me and made me who I am in a way. And um, it makes me sometimes misread scriptures. So those scriptures, 
they're very positive things, and they're, they're absolutely quite right to, you know, they've got, <laughs> the teaching is correct. But sometimes we can take things and we can misapply them to our lives. We can read it, and, and because of the way, we're, uh, the way we've been brought up, the way we think about ourselves, we can take those verses and kind of misapply them to our lives. And I think, for me, um, what, does this, what does this add up to? What does this mean in, in a kind of a Christian? What, what does it stop me doing? Sometimes it stops me reaching out to people because I think, what right have I got to tell somebody else to do what to do something? You know, what right do I have? I don't have the truth. It's just me. It's just me talking. Right? It's, you know, it's my. You know, what, what right have I got to impose my thoughts on somebody else? What makes me better than them? And again, even in prayer, I go to God in prayer. I think, what right do I have to ask God of anything? Mm. You know, what, what work have I got before God? What are my problems before God? You know, and it's, it can crush me. It can crush me. And it's very easy to sort of be just held back by the things which have kind of informed us, the things we've grown up with, the things we understand about ourselves. So, you know, and you know, don't be a leader. Don't be this, don't be that, you know. And it's been really interesting because at the moment I'm looking for a job. As you all know, I was... <laughs> I was effectively sacked from my old job, and you know I'm completely adrift, looking for work, and I have to sell myself. I have to go out there and say, you know what, I'm good. I'm a good guy. I can do this. I can do that. And um, it's funny looking at my CV. I've got my I've got a copy of the first page of my CV, five page CV, which everybody tells is a really bad thing. When you when you write two pages is enough, but because I've got so much jobs behind me, five pages where my run to. And um, I've got this personal statement at the top. And I talk about myself and I say, I am an accomplished payment specialist, partner focused and skilled in various products. Experienced with definition, RFPs and delivery responsibilities. At home with creating and managing iterative change in product development and organisation. I sell myself fairly well. I mean, that's obviously, I can, that's probably a bit... I could probably need an app a little bit, but it's all about selling myself, saying, oh, this is who I am. And I look at that and I feel really uncomfortable. I look at that and I feel, oh, I don't like selling myself. I don't like telling people how great I am. And it feels like a lie. But I look through it and think, no, no, it's all true. I do have an experience. I am, I have those abilities. This is, this is right. This is who I am. And sometimes it's very hard for us to kind of break through those ideas about who we are. Now, for me, it's all about, you know, the, the, my self-worth. It's all about my ability, my, my desire to push myself forward. I don't know what your particular issues are. Everybody has different ones. And this is what's great about being in the church. We have different aspects about our past, different aspects about our, who, who we think we are. We can help and spot those things about each other and, and, you know, really encourage and nurture each other's development in those areas. And that's what I love about being in a small church, we can do that. We have that ability. So I think, for me, the core message I wanted to talk about was let's be aware of what feeds into who we think we are and how that feeds into our relationship work with God and each other. But that's great. You know what? That verse doesn't end there. It talks about the servant king. Now it's interesting because I, initially I read this and I think, Jesus is talking about, you know, don't, don't want to leave. Actually, Jesus doesn't say that. 
Jesus doesn't say, forget about your leadership ideas. He says, yes, absolutely, be a leader, but be a servant as you're leading. Mm. And he told us how to do that. He said, but you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. Wow. <coughs> you know, Jesus doesn't say, forget all your ambition, step back, do nothing, sit in the cave, lock yourself off from, from, from everything that's out there. He said, no, no, lead. But serve. With your leadership, serve others. You know, go out there. Bring people to me by your service. It's... And Jesus wasn't afraid to call people to his example. He says, clearly, but I am among you as one who serves. You know, he calls and says, look, I, you know, I will serve. And we know how Jesus served. I think, this is where I'm going to ask for a little bit of audience participation here. So, mm-hmm. what are the different ways in which Jesus served both his ministry and, and us? A few ideas. His disciples, if you would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He healed people? Healed people, yeah, absolutely. Heard people. Yeah, yeah. He listened to the symbols, troubles, yeah. and Yeah. I think he showed his heart in the, in the kind of people he hung out with. Yeah. Like the adulterous woman, woman at the well, yeah. um, tax collectors. Um, sorry, he, 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 was, he, was, he, he had no favourites. No. He looked everyone the same. Yeah. And uh, I think that, in a way, he's. It's easy to serve people you like, right? <laughs> That's what I've got to try yes. to say. Is yeah. He said, anyone regardless. Yeah, he was even-handed. He was even-handed. He, was service, yeah. 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 Uh, he prayed for people. Yeah. yeah these, these are great. These are <coughs> very close to what I'd written down myself in this next one. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I put down the teaching which talked about providing, feeding, providing for those people, uh, stilling the storm when they're, in, when they're on the boat, healing, we talked about that, uh, loving, Compassion, he showed his empathy, those things we talked about, and sacrificing obviously himself on the cross, as we as we'll talk about in a second. Um, it's 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 easy sometimes when we talk about when we come into communion to think that all that Jesus did have that pure focus on the cross and the sacrifice of the cross Jesus did, and that's an incredibly important thing there. You know, that it's through the cross that our, our sins were taken and they're forgiven. It's through the cross on which we have the hope of eternal life. But also the cross is a, a real act of service to us as well. You know, that, that was an act of service, taking that, taking all those things for us, that sacrifice. And I think for me, that sacrifice, that service, is perhaps for me to break through those walls of my spiritual DNA, my kind of my blockages, kind of break through those ideas, be aware of them and not let them stop me. Uh, you know, when it comes a time to step up to lead to do that in a service way, when it comes to kind of pray and petition God to do that and be confident in that and be aware of what God calls me to do. Um, and Jesus says, you know, you, you, it's a beautiful verse because it starts off and it feels like it's a, it's a rebuke. When it starts, this verse feels like a view. The way it ends, Jesus says, 
You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I can store in you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. It would be easy for Jesus to say, yeah, this, uh, you know, don't, don't have this selfish ambition. Stop your arguments. Don't be stupid. You know, what on earth are you having this petty discussion about? Who's the greatest? It's really easy. I, I, you know, if I'd be in this situation, I'd be very much like that. I know with my kids, when they're arguing, my, my reaction is just shut up <laughs> and do something else. Do something more constructive. But Jesus says, you know what? You will be ruling with me. You are there. I trust you. You know, I want you. You know, we, we, we are to rule together. Which is an incredible way to finish this section. He's very, he wants to include us. You know, it's, it's not like, uh, come on guys, sort yourself out. It's, come on guys, sort yourself out. But you know what? There's this bigger picture here that you're included in as well. Mm-hmm. And Jesus does want us, he wants to include us in that kingdom, wants to include us in that bigger picture. You know, there's a promise for us, there's a future for us. And sometimes it's easy to forget that with all the things we feel we need to do, things we need to change, things we need to you know, grow in, which we do. But at the end, you know, we have that hope. We have that hope of eternal life. We have that forgiveness through the cross. And so just, I want to uh, take us in prayer as we just take to, uh, as we take up the communion to uh, share in that sacrifice. Okay, let's bow our heads. Dear Father God, <coughs> thank you for everything you give us, Father God. Thank you for your son's sacrifice on the cross. Thank you that uh, we have such a, an amazing example in Jesus, Father God. Somebody who didn't just you know, say it as it needed to be said, Father God, but gave his disciples hope and nurtured them, Father God, and, and brought them into your kingdom, Father God. Thank you that we brought as well into that kingdom. We are uh, Jesus' brothers and sisters. We are the disciples you know, of the time now, Father God. And, you, you hold out that promise to us now as well, Father God. I pray that we would just be uh, clear in our conscience as we come before you, Father God. We would bring ourselves towards you. We would confess our sins and pray for your forgiveness, Father God, as, as we remember how Jesus forgave our sins on the cross as we take the bread and the wine now. Lord, thank you for the time before you. Pray all this in, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.